We're happy to have this episode sponsored by Real Mushrooms. You probably already know about some of the great benefits of adding mushrooms to your diet, like better sleep, greater mental clarity, and a stronger immune system, but not all mushroom products are equal. Real Mushrooms is the real deal. Many mushroom companies harvest the mushroom and the grain it's growing on. Real Mushrooms products contain no grains or starch fillers. They're organic, cultivated naturally, and third-party verified for beta-glucans, the compound that makes them so valuable as a supplement. They even have a science and medical team of doctors who ensure that Real Mushrooms meets the highest standards. What I personally love is how informative their website is. Have questions about what mushroom is right for you? They have a robust blog with articles ranging from women's health to what mushrooms are most beneficial to your pet. Want to boost your immune system? Have better sleep and feel more calm? Grab the link in the show notes and get 25% off of your first order. Curiously enough, acupuncture is not just sticking needles into people. It's part of a coherent and observation-based medicine that experienced practitioners of the art have handed down over the centuries. I'm Michael Max, your host and guide of Everyday Acupuncture. Listen in as we explore how you can apply the principles of this ancient medicine in your everyday life. Hey everyone, welcome to the show. I'm Michael Max. Today I'm really pleased to have Kara Frank with me. Kara is an acupuncturist, she's an herbalist, she's, uh, she's a businesswoman as well. Today we're here to talk about sinuses and uh, respiratory issues. So Kara, welcome to the show. Why don't you take a moment and tell us a little bit about uh, your background. Hi Michael, thanks so much for asking me to be on your show. Well, yeah, so I am most famous for having um, cartwheeled five miles from Greenwich Village all the way through Soho and all the way through Chinatown and across the Brooklyn Bridge when I was eight years old. Besides that, uh, birthing a 10-pound, two-ounce baby, these are my two biggest accomplishments. Yeah, otherwise, I've actually been practicing acupuncture for about almost 35 years. Good God, there's a ton of acupuncturists out there that aren't even 35 years old these days. I know. Isn't that funny? Actually, when I went to school, we didn't have disposable needles yet. That's how long ago it was. Oh, boy. Yeah. Yeah. It was prehistory. It was the Mesozoic era of acupuncture. That's right. You had to like take them home and sharpen them by hand. <laughs> we actually did learn how to do that. <laughs> Though we didn't even have any books. Ah, uh, yeah. The bad old days. Where's your practice now? I started in New York and I'm currently in um, Philadelphia where I have two offices. And you have an herb company too, right? I do. I, in uh, 1989, I started the first compounding dispensary, mail order compounding dispensary in the States called China Herb Company. We're still going strong and actually we're growing more than ever. Yeah. That website, by the way, is uh, chinaherbco.com. It's different than my personal website. Okay, great. But, yeah, so that's exciting and we have our own line of products. Wonderful. That, uh, of formulas that I've written. Okay, well, let's get into it here. You are kind of an expert these days on sinuses, allergies, respiratory issues in general. You have a book coming out. A guy in China from People's Medical Publishing House asked me if I would write a book. They were doing a series of case histories, and would I write and would I create um, 
write commentary on case histories for ear, eyes, nose, and throat disorders. And I thought, huh, well, that's cool. You know, I've written this formula called PND for postnasal drip, and it's our bestseller. And I, I wrote a children's ear infection formula called Ear Clear, and I, I feel like I have a sense of this. So anyway, I plunged into this thing, and it took me years to write commentary. It's about to be published. Ah, yeah, these things, these book projects, they will, they will suck years out of your life. Oh, my Lord, I had no idea. Yeah. I had no idea. It's- well, of course not. Of course not, because you agreed to do it. Painful. Yep. <laughs> so, but from that, what began to percolate for me was a real appreciation for this ubiquitous condition that every single person has, which is everybody has a sinus condition. Well, I don't know about everybody, but maybe 70 or 80% of the people I see in my clinic mm-hmm. will comment on that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, well, sure. I think uh, maybe 70, 80% of the people are just walking around with nasal congestion. And I think 100% of the people will at some point have a sinus infection. Yes. Or allergic rhinitis or something. Like n- nobody gets out of here without it. So currently in the world of uh, Chinese medicine, there's a huge trend towards treating fertility. And I sort of began to think, wow, this is actually, that cohort is such a small slice of life, right? It's women from a certain age, maybe men too, but but here's this disease that affects everybody from infants to the aged, men, women, all races, everybody. It's the people's disease. And it's pervasive. I'm In the amount of drugs I get sold for sinusitis and headache, you know, sinus headaches and right. common cold, blah, 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 right, allergic rhinitis. It's ridiculous. That's right. It's ridiculous. So, and we have these really great tools for not only managing symptoms, but also improving people's constitutions. And I think that's what I really got out of the book was I developed a much expanded and, and refined perspective on how to treat it, how to assess it, how to repurpose classical formulas um, that might not have been used for, say, a runny nose. So practitioner, so this is a book for practitioners, right? It's not for the general public. That is true. It is a book for practitioners. It's, it's, it's a textbook. Yeah. So for you practitioners, we'll have a link to that book on the show notes in case you want to take a look at it. Carrie, you were, so this show is mainly for, you know, just the, the regular public. And you mentioned constitution and really looking at people's constitution, working with that. Tell us what you mean by that. Okay. Well, treating people constitutionally is the gift of Chinese medicine, right? As you know, we talk about people, we have a lot of words and ideas that mean things. Like sometimes we'll talk about patterns of disharmony, right? That means Mm -hmm. You, have, you not just have a symptom, right? Everybody has the, the, a stuffy nose. But it's the, the nuanced way in which you express that symptom, right? So that if you're a person and you have nasal congestion and you have a frontal headache and maybe you're also constipated, then, and maybe you have bad breath, right? Mm-hmm. You might have a different formula than a person who whose headache is a little bit more in their temples, and they also have ear congestion, and they're irritable, right? This makes a lot of sense for us that practice Chinese medicine, because we're really looking at 
what's the specific pattern going on here? It's very different from going and grabbing an over-the-counter, oh, I have a sinus headache. Well, here's the one medication that treats, in theory, everybody. We're not looking at it that way. No, we're not looking at it that way. We're taking this one chief complaint, which is of a sinus headache, and then we tease it apart and refine it. So we find the location of the pain, and then we describe the quality of the pain even, right? Is it achy? Is it sharp? Right? Does it feel like, a, you know, you're, you have an ice pick through your eyeball? Things like that. And, mm. and all of these ideas, all these experiences mean something to us and allow us to target the treatment, the herb selection, the point selection, very specifically, with some real elegance. But more than that, you know, if somebody has acute sinus infection, yeah, you know, they're not treated that differently, right? Uh, I mean, in that case, most people will have a headache. Most people are going to have yellow phlegm. Maybe most people, they might have a fever. And, you know, most of them are probably been prescribed a Z-Pack. Yep, they might be right. prescribed a Z-Pack. I mean, that, I don't know about there in Philly, but, but here in St. Louis, it's the moment someone has a sinus headache, they just give them a Z-Pack. Oh, sinus, Z-Pack. And Flonase. There's other options, right, for treating sinus infections? Yep. Um, so we can use herbs that are antibacterial that are antiviral, which is really important because maybe many of these infections are viral. We have herbs that alleviate pain. And, and then even more importantly, we have herbs that boost the immune system, right? You know, so this is especially important. This doesn't maybe matter so much for somebody who's just gotten one infection and then never is going to get one again, right? But people get recurrent infections. And in that case, Western medicine can't improve a person's constitution, and this is one of the things that we can offer to people, right, is, is we can give herbs and acupuncture that really plumps up a person's health, helps them to be the best person they can be, the best, in the best health. And so we have another thing we say in Chinese medicine. We treat the, the root and the branch, right? So maybe right. the root is that a person has a weak immune system, but the branch is that they have this infection, and we can do that together. It's really groovy. Mm -hmm. it's, it really respects a person. What In terms of people getting better and speed of getting better, you know, when I was in China, there's this misconception, even among the Chinese, that Western medicine treats things faster. Chinese medicine treats things slower. And my experience with treating sinus issues, especially if you're treating them right, you've got the right herbs, right diagnosis, that's completely wrong. Things can clear up pretty quickly with sinuses if you're using the right Chinese herbs. Have you had a similar experience? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I would say that that's true for sinus conditions, and that's also tr um, enormously true for um, upper respiratory infections like bronchitis. I treat a lot of these. And when you are giving the right formula in a robust dosage, you can create a change. I look for changes and improvement within 24 hours. That doesn't mean they have to be cured. Mm -hmm. But you know, if they have green phlegm, I want it to be yellow. If it's yellow, I want it to be paler or white. I want it to be changing immediately so that I know that I'm on track. And I'll combine herbal therapy along with some acupuncture um, and also use of a neti pot. Oh, yeah, those are great. Oh, yeah. It's, it's critical. It's maybe one of the most single, most important therapies. What's your take on the neti pot? Why is it so helpful? What's it doing? So a neti pot 
Um, lots of people use saline sprays from the drugstore, and those are terrific, and those help to moisturize the sinus tissue mm-hmm. um, because dry sinus tissue is another source of congestion. Oh, it you know, and a lot of the over-the-counter Western medications actually lead to that problem. Yeah, that's right. So a lot of the times we're treating the iatrogenic effect, the side effects of the meds. Yes. Um, so we have to use kind of cooling, moistening. Again, Western medicine, that's when you would use something like Mucinex. But we can use cooling, thinning herbs. And a neti pot. And a neti pot. So what a neti pot does is it, it, it's like a little apparatus. It looks like kind of like a genie lamp, like a creamer with a long spout. And you make a saline solution. And you pour it into your nostril. You tip your head. You pour it into your nostrils. And it, the, the salt water moves into the sinus tissue. And it helps to break up congestion and the salt water helps to shrink back the tissue so it shrinks back inflammation and meanwhile it's flushing out pollen and pollution and infection it's even possible to put very clear herbal extracts in there to act as like a topical antibiotic interesting which ones would you recommend for that well let's see the western herb golden seal we would use an herb called coptis would be um, a nice addition for that. You just want to make sure that the product they're using is very clear. You wouldn't want to introduce any herbal material, right? In my book, one of the fun things was they had, they created all kinds of wonderful nasal snuffs or powders that you could put onto um, uh, like a little Q-tip and insert into the nose for infections. It was really amazing, including some really weird ingredients too. Yeah, my teacher in Taiwan used to make this kind of paste. It had a mentholated base, but then it had all these herbs in it that, that did just exactly what you're talking about. And he just had people smear that stuff in their nostrils. Mm-hmm, yeah. yeah. Yeah, the book that I wrote was filled with some fun topicals. Um, you know, I just think that when you do that, you have to really, really strain it really well because I just don't think you want to have any herbal material in the product. Mm-hmm. So you wouldn't want, didn't want to get anything into the sinuses. So usually between herbs and a neti pot, you can kick almost every infection. In what kind of time frame? You know, often people come to my office and they're like, oh, I've got this and I got to get rid of it quick. And they're thinking antibiotics because that's usually what they think, antibiotics. And they, they think it's going to be quick. So generally speaking, what are some of the time frames that you see people getting better in? Okay, so for, for, a serious, for a serious infection, I, I want to see improvement within a couple of days, and then I want the worst of the infection to be over in a week. It is at that point, if you were to have had a pack, you would stop taking it, right? And then at that point, even with herbs, the mucus from your sinuses should be clear, it should be better. But really, what I find is that if you're persistent with the herbs at a lower dose, um, over a period of time, then you really help improve the constitution. One of the things I see is that people walk around with subclinical infections, just like inflammation and a low-level infection that runs them down over a period of time. And so there's tremendous clinical value in just being persistent, right? So first you front load high doses of herbs, like maybe you're taking herbs four times a day, mm-hmm. right? And fairly good-sized doses of them. Yep, at least a double dose. Ah, and then okay. as the person improves, 
you dial it down, you dial it down, you dial it down, and but just then keep at it for a little while. And and how long is a little while? A little while depends on the person. I mean, sometimes I have patients who take a dose of herbs once a day or maybe every other day, a couple times a week, all year round, right? Philadelphia, you know, I'm from New York, and in New York, people don't have allergies the way they have them in Philadelphia. Maybe it's because New York has fewer trees, maybe because it's on the water, but Philly is like a pit of pollen and pollution. And the minute I got here, I realized if I didn't get really good at this, I wasn't going to succeed in clinical practice. Mm. So I I began to develop really good strategies. You know, the other thing is, of course, sometimes you have to really encourage patients to make changes in their diets. Uh-huh. What, kind, what kind of things do they need to change? It's often worth experimenting to see if dairy is congesting. For many people it is. For some people it isn't. But it's free to try it. How long do you ask them to, to avoid dairy for? Three weeks. Yeah, that's about what I do. I say three to four weeks. Just, just as an experiment. Yeah, you just have to be mindful about dietary calcium. Mm-hmm. Getting that from other sources. Do you think it's the calcium that's an issue, or is it some of the protein that's in the dairy that seems to cause that inflammation? Oh, I don't think the protein or the calcium causes the inflammation. I just meant that if somebody was was omitting calcium from their or milk from their diet or cheese or dairy, that they'd have to make sure that they were eating plenty of calcium and getting that from other sources. Ah. Um, I think that it's it's the dairy, it's the lactose in it that is so reactive. Mm-hmm. Um, the beta-lactoglobulin is actually a very large antigen compared to other ones. Right? So it's sort of like a beach ball compared to ping pong balls. So it can make you more allergic if you're predisposed to that. So if you have a sensitivity, it will make your sensitivities worse. Yeah, or it can, it, it potentially can. So it's always worth trying because these kinds of things are free to try. Yeah, it's low-hanging fruit. Yeah, it's low-hanging fruit. You know, some people find that um, wheat is congesting. Again, you know, it's kind of maybe a nuisance to try it, but it's free to try it. And with that, you don't compromise your nutrition at all. True. Um, processed foods, greasy foods, spicy foods, alcohol is absolutely causes sinus congestion. Mm. And probably beer worse than, say, spirits? Um, maybe, because it's yeasty. But um, all excessive alcohol, you know, I mean, ask anybody who's ever had a hangover. They feel it right in their face. Sure. Right. It kind of, like in Chinese medicine, we would say that it, it causes heat in the liver that updrafts the phlegm and it just lands right in your sinuses. <clears throat> so even cutting down on alcohol can help you be less allergic. I find that thing of looking at foods or alcohol, things that, oh, let's say, I don't want to say environmental, but things in our diet, giving them up for just a little bit of time, just so we can get some data points, helps us to understand ourselves a whole lot better, too. Absolutely. There's so much value in pressing pause and then noticing how you feel. Pressing pause and noticing. I like that. I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to borrow that line and use it in clinic. Please do. Yeah. Feel welcome to. It's so often I find that, you know, and and I'm guilty of this as much as the next person, but something's going on and all I want is is for the damn thing to go away. Mm -hmm. And I don't think so much about how did it get there. 
And that's really where you can get a lot of traction. How did it get here? And is there a way of sidestepping the issue? So uh, let me give you a little example here. I don't know about Philly, but St. Louis is also considered a real allergy capital. I mean, everyone here is proud of their allergies. And some people have taken allergy shots for three to five years mm-hmm. in hopes of changing their reactivity to whatever they're allergic to. Mm-hmm. Three to five years. Mm-hmm. Now, that sounds like a long time to me, especially given, and of course, I'm only going to see the people that it didn't work for, right? The people that it worked for don't come in my door. That's right. That's exactly right. That's always the cohort. So we always have a skewed view. Of, we have a skewed view. Of assessing how, they're, how effective they are. That's right. So needless to say, I see the ones where it didn't work. And this is where really getting a look at what are the things you're doing with your lifestyle uh, can make a huge impact. Right. Well, I think somehow I feel like the, the allergy shots are like a branch treatment, right? It somehow treats the reaction to an allergen, but it doesn't boost a person's constitution. And that's why the shots don't seem to last. You have to keep getting them. But it doesn't make a person it doesn't make a person more robust. It doesn't make a person more robust, but the theory behind it is you will lose your sensitivity. You could interpret that as I've lost my sensitivity, I'm more robust. But I don't think I, I think you're right, that's not the case. So talk to us about becoming more robust. Okay. How does a person become more robust? Well, you know, we all come into the world with a certain kind of constitution right? Some people are very strong. Some people aren't so strong, right? This is what we assess in Chinese medicine, but people know this about themselves, right? Mm -hmm. Like, oh, I never get sick. I'm always, you know, healthy. Oh, I catch everything, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, Well, the strongest people can wear themselves out and change their constitution, and weaker people, up to a point, can really strengthen themselves. Part of it is just common sense and lifestyle, Mm -hmm. right? Respecting your limitations by resting enough, by eating well, by having an appropriate lifestyle, right? Um, that's one of, those are branches of Chinese medicine. But we have a culture, we have a world that puts us into kind of permanent white water, right? We just do, 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 and then we put out, put out, put out, and we think we're nuclear generators, and, and, we, and we spend more currency than we have, and that's how people, every, everybody gets into our office, right? They're all run down. Oh, yeah. Because they haven't taken care of themselves. They're run down and they wonder why they're tired at the end of the day when they've been pushing, pushing, pushing for 12 hours straight. That's right. So we go back to the pressing pause part. So obviously, you know, half of everything I do and you do, I'm sure, is rest more. Go to bed an hour earlier. Eat some vegetables. Um, things like that. All these things really go far to improving a constitution. And actually, I also want to say there's a lot of misguided habits in the name of health that people are involved in. Um, like I'd like to sort of speak to this, this uh, smoothie moment that we're having in the world. Ah, uh, yeah. You mean these things with like a bunch of fruit and some vegetables and like a handful of ice. Yeah, talk to us about that. Oh, God, you know. Kara, do you have an opinion about smoothies? No, what makes you think that? I don't know. I just... <laughs> Let me just get started here. Okay, let's wind you up here. All right. All right, look. So here's the problem. It's, it's a great thing that people are trying to have more vegetables. I'm all for that. But 
in Chinese medicine, we're really not in favor of all this cold stuff. It's too darn cold, and, and it makes people cold. And what happens when people get cold from these smoothies? They get phlegmy. And so here's like how it happens, right? If we imagine our stomach, our digestion is this nice simmering pot of soup, ah, right? That sounds lovely. And it's simmering. And then that steam is energy, right? It, it moves throughout the body. It warms the body. That's our energy, right? Mm-hmm. Now, what happens if we add a cup full of cold water? Right? The simmer stops, and then it's kind of, and then it takes a tremendous amount of time and energy to recapture this dynamic simmering and steaming, right? This amazing alchemical transformation where we take food and it becomes energy and blood and all, you know, it helps us to run in the yeah, world. Well, it, it runs us actually. Right. So no food after a while, we're sunk. That's right. So, you know, I mean, we have patients that are having cold smoothies for breakfast, then they have a salad for lunch, then they're having water with ice or sodas with ice. Um, and they're cold, cold, cold. And then what happens? They get phlegmy and congested, right? Because because instead of instead of steaming dynamically, is this pot of soup is just a big thing of water, right? Yep. So it's, it's kind of gloppy. It's just yep. Um, and then and then also you know other problems like digestive problems and fertility problems, and it it really affects people's constitutions. It's not a good thing. So we'd like, I, I encourage my patients to take those vegetables and make it into a soup or just steam them lightly. And avoid the ice. And oh yeah, no ice. Forget about the ice. Yeah. Ice is out of here. You know, I, I find it really, to me it's curious and it's fascinating because I'll have mm-hmm. patients come in, they'll have, some, they'll have some kind of sinus thing going on. It's often secondary to a digestive system that it's not quite working. Right, mm-hmm. they're on Prilosec yep. or this or that, or they get bloated. The the usual mishmash. And I suggest to them, well, maybe you want to avoid ice, you know, and and let that kettle warm up the same way that we were just talking about it. Mm-hmm. And they are so reluctant because they love ice. Mm-hmm. They have somehow acquired the habit, even in February, when you walk into a restaurant and you're knocking snow off your boots, the -hmm. first thing they do is they hand you this big glass that's full of ice and a little bit of water, which to me is mind-blowing because it's flipping freezing outside. Mm -hmm. And because I've actually had respiratory issues most of my life, so I've never really cottoned to cold fluids because they made me feel worse. So I would never drink my fluids cold. And it wasn't until I came to Chinese medicine that I started to recognize maybe I'm not a cuckoo because I don't drink my fluids the way everybody else does. You're not a cuckoo. And- well, I might be a cuckoo, but, it, right, but-, but not because of this ice thing. Yeah. So do you, what, what's, I'm curious to know, how do you, I have a really hard time getting folks to just lay the ice down, even to try oh. it for a few weeks. It's, I mean, they'll change what they eat before they'll change mm-hmm. the temperature of their fluids. You got, you got any mm. tricks for us uh, practitioners to help people understand how important this is? Yeah. Well, first of all, I just I think you're probably just a nicer person than I am. I'm really bossy. So mm. <laughs> I just say, no more ice. We can't do this. We're not doing any more ice. Um, I'm just authoritative about it, you know? Okay. 
But but I wanted to just touch on something that you mentioned. You mentioned about Prilosec. So we're talking about how icy drinks um, and cold foods put out the stomach fire, right? Mm-hmm. And then that makes you less robust. But Prilosec and all antacids and proton pump inhibitors also put out stomach fire. Of course, that's what they're trying to do because there's this idea that there's reflux. But stomach fire, when it's healthy and not burning, is a dynamic thing. It's like we, we really need that. We need that to be robust. And, and putting that stomach fire out compromises our immunity. Our, our, actually, our stomach acid is our first line of defense. And, um, and now we have a greater incidence of infections like C. diff, we have these proton pumps and hitters cause osteoporosis. I mean, they're really affecting our constitutions. They cause osteoporosis. Could you say just a little bit more about that? Oh, well, it's just a well-known fact. They, uh, because they inhibit stomach fire and digestive gastric acid production, um, our bodies are less able to absorb calcium from our food. It compromises mineral absorption. This isn't even Chinese medicine. This is just... Good old, good old Western. Yep. Actually, just it's just basic biochemistry, isn't it? It's not, it's yep, not it's even a Western known medicine. Side effect of these drugs, and so yeah. Chinese medicine. Um, this is another area, a passionate area of mine, is improving reflux and GERD. And some of the herbs we would use for phlegm in the sinuses are some of the same herbs we might use to improve digestion, and the, and w- they can be part of the same picture. So when we're really helping heal somebody from the sinus condition, we might, we'll look at their whole constitution, and maybe that means improving their digestion. In fact, often it does. Because one thing is that the stomach, in Chinese medicine, we have organs, and then we have meridians or channels that travel all along the body. And those channels and organs are connected. And the stomach channel happens to land it ends right at the sinuses, right? It, that's actually where it originates, is right in the cheeks. Mm-hmm. And so we use lots and lots of herbs that are said to enter the stomach channel, right? And, um, and so we're always looking at connections between digestion and sinuses. I, I don't think it's possible to break them apart. It's not. I mean... The only time you could break them apart is just where you're just trying to, you're mainly focusing on the symptom of infection, heat, and phlegm for the most acute part of a sinus infection. So, so, the, so the common cold. Yeah. 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 Well, actually, by the time they get an infection, they're almost past the common cold. Those very early stages, maybe they have a runny nose, and then it progresses. Mm-hmm. I mean, because as you know, we have, we have really sophisticated theories of infectious disease. Like we, in Chinese medicine, we stage it so carefully based on every iteration of how a person could feel. You know, whether they feel more chilled or whether they feel less chilled, whether they're sweating or not sweating, or whether they're hot and cold, or whether they have a high fever, right? We, we yeah. pay attention to all these nuances, whether it's a scratchy throat or a sore throat. All of these little details matter to us. They matter big time. Big time. And I love that minutia. I love the nuance and the elegance of it. Well, and it helps us to help people. When, when you can really mm-hmm. track what someone's got as opposed to throwing this one-size-fits-all at them, if you can, if you can right. throw a, cus, a custom formula, like a finely tailored suit at them, wow, yep. it, 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 it is almost magical. It is. I just, 
I never get tired of it. Hope you're enjoying the show. I'd love to know about what topics are of interest to you. If you have a health concern, or if you want to know specifics about how acupuncture can help to promote vibrant well-being, visit the website at www.everydayacupuncturepodcast.com and send an email. Let me just kind of go in a slightly different direction with this. Uh, Even, I mean, and we are very, I mean, obviously, you know, as practitioners, we're, we're quite keen on getting a very clear differential diagnosis and knowing just what's going on. At the same time, Sometimes there's a number of formulas out there that, that people use, you know, in a patent medicine sort of way that give a pretty good bang for the buck. Yeah. Right? So some, yep. you know, I mean, I've seen this over in, in Asia where someone gets a certain kind of uh, cold or, or sinus infection and, you know, they'll go to the 7-Eleven over there mm-hmm. and they'll mm-hmm. pick up a Guajir uh, Guggentang that's in a little one-hit bottle, mm-hmm. it's right there at the cash register during cold and flu season, and they'll knock that back, right? Because yeah. there are certain things that are just really, really helpful. Have you got some suggestions on a few formulas that, you know, maybe someone doesn't have an acupuncturist or, I mean, actually acupuncturists are not hard to find, but finding an, an herbalist who's really trained is sometimes difficult. Have you mm-hmm. got some suggestions on some good over-the-counter stuff? You know, I mean, I mean, let's say, for example, you got a screwdriver headache, you know, mm-hmm. screwdriver sinus headache. What do you do? Okay. All right. I'll give you a hack. Okay. Give me a hack. Okay. Well, there's a couple of really common sinus formulas that we use all the time. A particularly nice one when you have a sinus headache. And I figured this out because one day I had a sinus headache. And everybody who's had a sinus headache knows that taking Tylenol or, you know, drugs it actually doesn't help. Mm-mm. So to have a little strategy that works it is awesome. So we have a there's a formula called Pay Min Con One. Um, me or sometimes it'll be B Min Con One. That means cold in the nose pill. Mm. Usually it comes in a bottle with a green label. Mm-hmm. Um, and the formula is a nice little formula for sinusitis and sinus allergies. Yeah, um, it works very, very well. It's really great, but it has a couple of ingredients that make it nice for headaches. So then combined with that, there's a modern common cold formula called Gone Meling. I know you talked about that. I think you talked about it with Kate Poole. I did talk with her about Gone Meling. I um yeah, jury's out for me on Gone Meling. I I, I I raise my eyebrows at it, but I'm I'm open to uh yeah. I'm open to learning something new. Well, it's kind of a weird formula. It doesn't necessarily differentiate a pattern, but it is super effective and it's got some antiviral herbs and it, and it kind of works for all different kinds of patterns, but it also has a couple herbs for pain and headaches. And if you combine those two formulas, really, you have just hacked your way out of a sinus congestion and a headache. It's amazing. Um, and I, I really think it's basically safe for everybody and you know, you can easily self-treat with it. And it's actually safer, far safer than taking something like Tylenol. By safer, I mean as long as you have gotten those prepared formulas or patent formulas from a GMP 
facility. That means good manufacturing practices. And that means that these uh, are tested for heavy metals, for bacteria, for mold, for fungus, for the, all the pesticides we test for. They're not going to be contaminated with drugs, which is a danger of going to Chinatown. Oh, yeah. So um, so as long as you, somewhere in the label it says GMP or CGMP, then that's okay. I think even on something like Amazon, some of those, they're probably fine to take. But you want to make sure that they're, they're manu- they've got that labeling. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. The stuff coming out of China, it's, it, it can be a real crapshoot. It can be a crapshoot, and we're, uh, we are into safety. I mean, this is a really big concern of ours. And by and large, herbs and herb formulas are enormously safe. You know, the incidence of, of complications from Chinese herbs is very, very low, especially compared to um, the incidence of, of side effects from drugs or surgery from Western medical treatment. Okay, so that's, so that's for this screwdriver pain in the head. Yeah, it's a good little hack. I like that. Um, another good little self-treating formula for sinus congestion, um, a favorite, is called Beyond Pion. Mm-hmm. And it usually has a reddish label. And um, that's really nice for sinus congestion. And here's another hack. Um, there's a prepared formula called Chuan Xinlian. That means andrographis pill. Chuan Xinlian is a very strong anti-infective agent. It, it's good for all, I use it for all upper respiratory conditions that are, have yellow phlegm. And this is one of the few herbs I actually routinely give in pill form because it's so phenomenally bitter. And I can take anything. And this one is bitter like it, it redefines bitter. So it's just easier to administer it in a pill. Mm-hmm. So you can, you can hack Beyond Pion and Chuan Chin Leon and try to self-treat a sinus infection. And then, you know, if you didn't get better and you're alone, you'd have to go on the antibiotic. But, you, you know, you've given it a good try. Or, or go see your local herbalist. Or go see your local herbalist and have them do a better job. And make sure you're using your neti pot a couple times a day. So those are two fun hacks that, are, that actually really work. Okay. What about, say, the very beginnings of a cold? You got any thoughts about that? Oh, well, sure. There's a world of wonderful formulas. Um, the beginnings of a cold, one could go back to the formula gone mauling, which means common cold effective remedy. Your, your unfavorite. Well, I wouldn't say unfavorite. Jury's out. I still have a, I, I cast a skeptical eye. Uh-huh. But you know what? I'm, you know, one of the things I love about Chinese medicine, it has this really sort of poetic theory behind it. And, and I love that. And I think it's great. Mm-hmm. But I never argue with results. And if something works and it doesn't fit my theory, well, you know, you just, you just have to throw the theory out, right? Right, or reassess yeah. your theory. Or reassess the theory. Maybe, maybe re, just kind of remodel the theory a bit. Tune it up. Mm-hmm. Learn something mm-hmm. new. Change your mind for a change. Yeah, okay. Right. So common cold, gan maling. Um, yeah, you know, a very popular one in the world of Chinese medicine is called yin chao san, uh, which means honeysuckle and forsythia pill. Um, it actually is a nice formula excuse me, for an early onset cold, particularly if there's a sore throat. It's really specific for the throat. Yes. Yeah, so that, I think that's important for our listeners to understand is that while these are sort of, I'm just going to, coin a term here, broad spectrum 
uh, cold cures, there's still a little differentiation that would help you to make. And so yin chao san, it's that sore throat that's kind of the, it's, it, you know, it's the thing that tips it. The superpower. Yeah. When I'm teaching, I always talk about herbs and formulas, superpowers, and that's superpowers. a superpower. Okay. Um, and, you know, and it's a beautiful formula when you take it early on. It, I mean, you can take one or two good doses and be done with it. it and that's, you know, that's a beautiful thing. The, the downside of all of these, particularly with the interest on I've seen, is that people take it and then when you take, it's a cold formula. So if you take it too much, it, 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 it undermines your own robust response. And then what you find is people are taking it all the time and they're taking it all the time and they're taking it all the time. Um, I think actually, Michael, if I were to compare gan meling with yin chao san, I'd say gan meling isn't quite so cold. It's a little, maybe a little warmer. I would say it's more balanced. Yeah. So, and I think that's why it gives it a little bit of legs. Um, and I would say gan meling is tilted more towards um, a feeling of headaches. Let me let me float another one by you, just because this is this is a symptomology that people often complain about that they they're starting to get a headache, they're feeling chilled. They can't get warm. They've got a headache, but it, it's actually more the back of the head than the front of the head. Mm. You know, and they're just cold. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Well, a nice home remedy. Um, home remedies. Oh, home, those are always fun. A food, let's talk about a little food therapy for a second. So if in Chinese medicine, when you're feeling cold, it means that even no matter what the weather is, it means you've been invaded by cold. There's a cold coming into your body, and your body is really trying to do a good job of dispelling it. And if it does a good job dispelling it, then what should happen is you should feel warm and break a little sweat. Um, one way you can do that is slice up a bunch of fresh ginger, even like a pound, and pound. cook it up. Yeah, well, yeah. If you happen to live near an Asian grocery store, it's easy to do this. Stay with me for a second, right? So then, I'm with you. you know, cook it up in a cook it up in a gallon of water or so, and simmer it and then drink a cup of that with some honey and then pour the rest into a bath and get into a nice ginger bath. Ooh. And this is a nice thing to do for children too. Maybe some children you can't really give them herbs they are too little to swallow something or, you know, the baths are a really nice way to administer herbs to children. I'm, I'm into this. I'm going to actually make a little line of little baths for kids. And you can even put uh, some scallions in it. Scallion ginger is an early stage cold remedy. That's a home remedy. Mm-hmm. And most people, lots of people would have those in their refrigerator already. That's right. You can just slice up, make a few slices, just put it in a cup of water. Yeah. Right? Um, you know, that would be a nice home remedy. Beyond that, with a feeling of cold in the back of your neck, then we might think of, of things with cinnamon in them, right? Because that might enter those meridians in the back of the head and the neck. Um, but actually, if there's strong chills, strong chills always suggest that a fever is going to go up. And if there were body aches, well, let's see, are we still talking about hacks or are we talking about real formulas? Let's, let's talk about hacks. Let's talk about things that people can do for themselves. They're, they're having these, these symptoms, Mm-hmm. What can they do? Because, you know, maybe it's nine o'clock at night and they've got a big business meeting tomorrow, so they can't really come to see you that morning. <laughs> okay. 
Um, you know, there's a patent medicine called John Gunling. I, I don't even know what it translates. It's Z-H-O-N-G, um, G-A-N-L-I-N-G. And it's actually got very strong antiviral herbs. It, it, again, doesn't quite treat a pattern, but it is amazingly strong for a fever. Ah, for a fever. Okay. So if they have a fever, the, the, that one would be useful. Well, and with body aches, like if they feel like a flu is coming on. Mm-hmm. Um, so the hack would be take a, maybe a double dose of John Gonlang um, along with maybe a shot of brandy or whiskey. And Ooh, then I like wrap that. up in bed. Yeah, it acts as a diaphoretic. And it just went, I did this once. I hacked this into it. One time I acutely got such a bad cold, all of a sudden I literally couldn't straighten my back out. Uh, it was an amazing thing. And I went home and I, um, I took that formula and I took a shot of, I don't know, brandy or whiskey or something. And I went to bed and I woke up perfect. Love it. Um, I might have thrown some echinacea in there. So, you know, that's, a, that's an old favorite hack. Yeah. Hey, could could we maybe get you to write up a, a little PDF of hacks and we'll put it on the show notes page? <laughs> oh, God, there goes my reputation. Sure. <laughs> you know, I spent my whole career focused on precision. But, yeah, I'll do the hack, the hack, uh, hack handout. Simple things you could do for yourself. Um, and, and would you like me to focus on patented or prepared formulas or maybe just little, like, food therapy tricks like congees or something? We could do some food therapy sorts of things and just, yeah, and some of the, some of the patents as well. Because it's not a bad idea to keep a few of these things at home in your medicine cabinet, right? You know, you're right. And that's actually maybe our next podcast is like the 15 form- essential formulas you should have in your medicine chest, something like that. Yeah, we did that with Kate Poole. Oh, yeah? Show number one. Oh, my God. Okay, I'll have to listen to that. That's yeah. great. That's so practical. Yeah, go listen to that. And then, you know, I mean, everyone's got their own medicine cabinet ideas. So, yeah, another time we'll have you on and, and we can do the top 15 uh, formulas that you should have in your medicine cabinet. Yeah. So can we go back to that question about if you feel chilled in the back of your head and neck for a second? Absolutely. So there's, a, there's a different answer to that, too. So in traditional Chinese medicine, maybe that feeling where you have, where you feel chilled and you have a feeling in the back of your head and neck, probably the herb we would have really used back in the day was mahuang, ephedra. Mm-hmm. And ephedra has been really restricted in recent years uh, because it was misused by the dietary industry. Severely misused. Yeah, it was very bad, but used responsibly by acupuncturists um, in the context of how it's supposed to be used. It's very effective to help you break a sweat and make and dispel that feeling of being cold. And it's also really strong medicine for wheezing, right? So it's anti-asthmatic. And it's really important for things like a runny nose. And there's another kind of herb. It's a kind of wild ginger, Asarum. We also can't quite use that anymore. It's restricted because certain parts of it have a constituent that may be toxic to the kidneys. And the good news about this is the Chinese medical community that people should know, we self-police. We don't need, um, we don't need anybody to police us because we are on it. We pay attention and we're extremely concerned about people's safety. But the problem is the loss of these herbs has created... Um, it's a huge loss in terms of treatment. Nothing quite can replace these medicinals. And one of the things that I've been really um, working with is I'm calling this herbal money ball. 
Hmm. Right. So I, I don't have the, the best herbs for dispelling cold and the best herbs for stopping wheezing and the best herbs for drying up a runny faucet like when you have hay fever, like you just can't stop blowing, right? Right. So, and, you know, these, these herbs are warm and they're spicy. And so, so instead of having my star team, right, instead of having like the Oakland A's star team, instead we have to play Moneyball like the Oakland A's do. And we have to leverage lesser players. So I've been, I actually just wrote a formula called Bi Chu, because uh, in Chinese, Bi Chu means uh, like sniveling sneeze, mm-hmm. uh, which means kind of like a runny nose. And I'm, I'm using things like different kinds of peppercorns and, and dry ginger and other ways to kind of create a nice drying but also constitutionally warming effect for people with chronic runny noses and anyway i'm i don't think we can ever be as effective with herbs as as ma huang ephedra and shishin asaramar but but i'm coming pretty darn close i like the idea of, of doing them with the money ball formulas yeah because we've got to make do with what we got that's right. We have to do it safely. And we have to do it safely. That is such a concern for our community. Yeah, and I'm a stickler for that. I want to take this in a slightly different direction for a moment. Mm-hmm. It's been great to find out about the various uh, the hacks. And I love your idea of calling them hacks because, you know, hacks, it makes you think about your experience and it makes you think about the thing that you're using. So it requires a little extra attention. So I think it's really cool. Let's get back for a moment into the more specific things that we like to look at, right? And so we're talking about sinuses today. We're talking about Mm -hmm. congestion. Often when people come in to see me, they'll just say, you know, I got phlegm or I'm stuffed up. It usually takes me a few minutes to unpack, well, what kind of phlegm do you have? Because Mm -hmm. different kinds of phlegm mean different kinds of things. And my suspicion is a lot of people don't recognize that. Certainly, the the common person that might be listening to this show. Can you give us a quick introduction to phlegm and what the different kinds of phlegms are that we'll see in problems that have to do with sinusitis, headaches, sinus infections, common colds, allergic rhinitis, that whole thing? Yeah, I think we're probably talking about phlegm is like my favorite thing on earth. I, you know, phlegm is kind of interesting. I mean, it's actually kind of interesting. If you're a Chinese medicine geek. From a Chinese medicine perspective, right. And Chinese right. medicine is like phlegm causes, what, the 100 diseases? Like all mysterious diseases or all, ultimately all chronic degenerative diseases involve phlegm. Yeah. And the weird ones all involve phlegm too. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's, and that goes into something called insubstantial phlegm. Stuff you can't see but is there. But anyway, let's not go there. Yeah. Let's talk about substantial phlegm. Give us the quick overview. Okay, so when, so we have we assess phlegm on a continuum, and that continuum is from watery, thin, runny, all the way to green and blood streaked, right? And what that means is we have a progression of phlegm that is from cold to heat. Mm-hmm. Um, so the source of phlegm in, in the body is digestion, just as we spoke, right? Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Hang on one hot second here. As a Chinese medicine practitioner, I get it that phlegm comes from the digestion. I'm not sure our listener gets that. Could you go over that real quick, how our digestion produces phlegm? So let's go back to the cooking vessel image, right? Mm -hmm. And 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 the adding cold water, right? When we have, if our digestion 
is not robust. Things get wet and damp and heavy. So rather than having this simmering cauldron of soup that steams up and that warmth transforms and spreads, things get kind of boggy and soggy and, and, and something called dampness develops. Um, and once the body is damp, it's hard to dry out. Like if you have a damp basement, you've got to run that darn dehumidifier all the time. All the time. And then you're predisposed towards it, right? Yeah. And there's all kinds of, you know, there's molds and all kinds of nasty stuff comes in the dampness. Yeah, exactly. Right. So, um, so it has a heavy nature. It has a kind of a sinking nature. And then over time, that dampness can thicken and get more entrenched, right? More chronic. And as it thickens, instead of just dampness, we then use terms like damp phlegm. And that describes the, the progression of it, right? And phlegm also is often, they say dampness sinks and phlegm hangs. So that means the phlegm is going to affect more the upper body, right? The lungs, the sinuses, things like that. Mm-hmm. So, so the beginning, in the beginning, the presentation of just of damp phlegm might be kind of like a person who just kind of blows their nose and it's white. Um, maybe they cough up a little white phlegm. You know, it's, it's not, it's there, but it's not uh, an infection. Not particularly intrusive, just a, a little annoying from time to time. Yeah, and in Chinese medicine, we look at the person's tongue and it would probably have a white coating. And then anytime something sticks around for a long time, it begins to develop heat, right? This is like an engine caught in traffic. It, it, it just, it like, it's trying to move and it isn't moving. And so it kind of implodes on itself and heat generates and then as that heat generates, the phlegm gets thicker. And so that means at this point, then the phlegm in the sinuses is thickening. And then maybe we're moving from clear phlegm to white phlegm and then from white to pale yellow. And then as it gets thicker and then really conflates with heat, then we really get an infection. We have yellow phlegm. But then there's even other more iterations of this where if it's yellow, we might say there's phlegm heat. But if it's green, in Chinese medicine, green's the color of the liver. So maybe even if there isn't liver disease, uh, we, just, we just say that, right? All green things involve the liver. So there's li- there we'd say there's liver heat. Mm-hmm. And, and then if it's, that heat still progresses, we say the heat injures the blood vessels, right? And then it causes bleeding. And then you would have blood-streaked phlegm. So that's really hot phlegm. Yeah, that's really, there's a lot of heat. Hot, bloody phlegm. Yeah, so, and the, you know, you, you'll see other signs of heat. Like the, the person might be thirsty. They might be constipated. They might have insomnia. Their nose might be red. Their cheeks might be red. There's, there's not just that the phlegm's hot. The whole person is hot, right? Right. So, so we're going to clear heat and transform phlegm would be our strategy at that point. And that's where, you're picking, that's where you're pulling out some of the really cold herbs, these things that are antiviral, antibacterial. Yep, that's right. If a person's constipated, we're going to um, yeah. make sure they free the bowels so that they poop because that's one of the ways we're going to get heat out of the body. And toxins. Mm-hmm, and toxins, yeah. And that doesn't mean it's going to be a violent purgative. We just got to get that going. Mm-hmm. If there's a fever, we're going to clear the fever. If they have muscle aches, we can use herbs that kind of release the muscles. And so 
we can be very, very targeted and we stage it and we treat exactly what we see with exact precision. I, I mean, conversely, somebody might, when we talked about dampness before, the digestion might still be damp. They might not be constipated. They might have like sticky stool or pasty stool and then they might have a lot of uh, like gunk in their head. And in which case we, we use fragrant herbs that transform, that sort of the fragrance penetrates this turbidity. Um, like I have a formula, this is our best-selling formula called PND for post-nasal drip. Mm-hmm. And we use fragrant like um, patchouli and mints and perillas and, and cardamoms to penetrate like the, the fragrance penetrates the yuck and it strengthens digestion. So therefore we're treating the root and the branch. So it's kind of a dehumidifier. Exactly. It's the dehumidifying formula. Yeah. Drying out the basement. So, um, and then drying out the attic too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. This is, I think this is really helpful and I think it helps folks maybe to appreciate that what they're calling a sinus infection or a sinus headache or, or, or allergies mm-hmm. is more than just what's in their nose. It actually also has something to do with their gut it has something yep. to do with the state or strength of their digestion yep. and just their overall constitution. I, I guess we'd call that immunity in the West, but constitution right. goes a little bit further than just immunity because it, it's that unique constellation of things that make it, you know, of our makeup that where we're strong, where we're weak, where we need help, actually where we're just fine. Thank you very much. Mm hmm. That's exactly right, and that's the beauty of Chinese medicine. Oh God, it is, is that isn't we can it? treat that we can treat the symptom, and then we can really boost a person. Yeah, so they won't have the problems so much later, right? Our best possible self. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Yeah, it's pretty groovy. Anything else you want to tell us about sinuses or sinus headaches or, or boosting up your constitution so that you don't have these issues? Oh, you know, I guess I'm going to say for people with chronic sinus conditions, like, you know, the simplest things help. Getting regular exercise helps. Using a neti pot daily is a really important part of maintaining sinus health. Mm -hmm. Experimenting with your diet to see if anything you're eating helps or anything you can eliminate helps. Um, Actually, oh, here's a simple food that you can add. You can eat horseradish, right? Everybody knows that wasabi moment when you have sushi. Oh, my God. It's lovely. Yes, that acrid flavor. It really penetrates the obstruction. It's pretty wonderful, right? So you can include foods like that. You can boost your immunity by having soups and stews. And we're all having, we're having a bone broth moment, which I'm really in favor of. That's becoming kind of popular these days, isn't it? Finally. <laughs> Speaking as a Jewish mother. <laughs> yes. Tell us for just a moment, what's so great about bone broth? Ah, bone broth. Okay, well, I'll give you a very short version of it. Turns out Jewish mothers were right. It is penicillin. When we make... (laughs) (laughs) I'm not going to argue with Jewish mothers being right. Don't don't you be arguing with me. No, I'm not going to be arguing with you. Soups and stews that are made with bones. You know how you cook a chicken soup and then you put, or, a, or any kind of stew with bones, and then you put it in the fridge and then it, it uh, is gelatinous when it's chilled? Oh, yeah. Well, 
Yeah, well, guess what? That gelatin turns out to be really important food. It's it's called um, a hydrophilic colloid. It means it's a solid liquid. It's like jello, right? Mm. And so that jello that happens as a result of uh, the bones and the cartilage and connective tissue and collagen, it actually it you know it holds water, so it has to nourish what we call the yin of the body, right? And it, it carries fluids into the body, right? Like what's an old-fashioned remedy for, for arthritis and for the joints? It's gelatin, right? It's actually based on truth. And it also is protein sparing. So that means you can take a food with just a little bit of protein, a little bit of meat, and it helps your body to utilize it more efficiently. So it's extremely restorative. They also contain something called glycine, which is good for the brain and the nervous system. And then if you add a little bit of acid to the broth or the soup, like vinegar or wine or lemon, the acid helps to pull calcium out of the bones. Uh, and then you have a calcium rich soup. And, and it actually is even a source of vitamin D, which is well studied for modulating hormones and immunity. And, uh, and it's incredibly important. So... I mean, it just keeps getting better and better and better, right? Right. So this is one of these things that really supports the Constitution. It really supports the Constitution. And actually, here's an interesting anecdote. Years ago, we had this amazing product called Thronase. Um, and a guy who was an ophthalmological researcher had created this compound with hyaluronic acid, which is used, well, anyway, and with echinacea. And hyaluronic acid is used in many surgeries, and now it's used in a lot of cosmetics. And we had this product ahead of its time. But it's actually distilled from basically chicken soup, right? But it acts as an envoy, and it carries agents into the body. So he created this hyaluronic acid with echinacea, and you would spray it in your nose. And it was the most incredible thing for infections ever, because it would put the echinacea right in the sinus tissues. And unfortunately, um, we invested a lot of money in this product and it never got off the ground, but it was incredible. And, you know, our teacher, Michael, who we studied with, um, Dr. Huang, mm -hmm. he used to, he talks about making a stew with a pig's foot, a pig's trotter, right? Oh my God, yeah, he loves the pig's feet soup, yeah. Right, because it's got the skin and, the, and it has a ton of gelatin and, and yep, we use different... Yeah, he's a big fan of that. Yeah, we use different gelatins in Chinese medicine uh, to to really nourish the flesh and blood, and and you know, and gelatins are the, are like glues. We call them glues in Chinese herbology, and it makes things stick. And so, if a woman has a history of recurrent miscarriages, one way we might handle it is making a pig trotter stew. I had a patient who was Filipino, so she was all about that, and she had had six miscarriages. And I was help, able to help her carry to term twice by one of the ways was having her eat a pig trotter, a bowl of that every day, a stew. Mm -hmm. Which she was happy to do. Oh, my God. She was overjoyed. She's like, yeah. really? Pigs feed every day. Yay! Yay! <laughs> <laughs> so. uh, great. Well, I, I mean, I'm kind of looking at the time here at the moment. I realize that we have just yacked for quite a while. This is, it's so much fun having you on the show. This has been such a pleasurable hour. I it has been. <laughs> yeah. Why don't you real quickly let people know how to get in touch with you? What's your website? And, and of course, we'll put all this on the show notes as well. 
So you can find me at uh, www.sixfishes.com, S-I-X-fishes.com. And actually, you can look in the blog. I've got lots of excerpts of chapters that I've written on different sinus conditions, as well as some other health concerns. Um, and do you have some of your hacks on there as well? Uh, I don't know if I have any hacks. Um, you can also follow me on Instagram at sixfishes. Philly and on Twitter at HerbBabe. Um, no, is it, am I HerbBabe or Six Fishes? can't even remember. Um, I think, I'm you're, I think you're Six Fishes. Yeah, and on Facebook, you can like Six Fishes. You're all over the social media. Yeah, I am. Yeah. I, I, we, we just do it. We work it. Um, we communicate with people. We really like to do that. Awesome. Well, I'll make sure there's links for all of that stuff. Okay. Um, yeah, and uh, I'll have an article in the Journal of Chinese Medicine on treating sinusitis coming out in February and my book. Wonderful. Kara, again, thank you so much for being with us today. Oh, it's been such a pleasure. Thank you for the opportunity, Michael. It's so much fun to chat with you. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Everyday Acupuncture. If so, please take a moment, click on the iTunes review button, and leave a review of the show. And be sure to tune in again next week.